Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation, the second hour of Ghost Chronicles Radio. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. And still waiting for my co-host, but in the meantime, uh, we want to welcome you. If you hadn't seen the first show, uh, Steve and I uh, talked a little bit about uh, Famous and Scared, Scared and Famous or whatever. It was a TV show they did in the UK for uh, a few episodes that uh, Steve worked on and some of the funny things that happened during that show. But uh, you can uh, check that out on uh, iTunes and also uh, Parax, Tojinet, and uh, wherever else we are, which is a lot. But anyways, we do have a guest tonight, and he is an author and a tour guide and the author of Ghosts of the Berkshires, uh, Mr. Robert Oates. Hi. Hi. How, Hi. Are, how are you doing? I am so glad you have a name I can actually pronounce. <laughs> yeah, single syllable, right? <laughs> I, 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 I'm notorious for not getting anybody's names right, but uh, even, <laughs> even my feeble little brain can uh, uh, pronounce your name. The challenge and, with my name is the uh, silent E. People often miss the silent E, O-A-K-E-S. <laughs> yeah, but you don't pronounce it, so it's not a big deal. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And also joining us now is the original, my original co-host from the Ghost Chronicles Radio, which about 20 years ago, it's the uh, Queen of Pain, Maureen Woods. Hey, how you doing? Good. What happened to you? What do you mean? Uh, you weren't Our online. Yeah. I was online. You gave him the wrong contact info. No, I didn't. I cut and paste, my dear. Mm-mm. Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Okay. I don't think so. I'll send it back to you. It's okay. I'm, just remember, I'm never wrong. They don't call me Mr. Perfect for nothing. Uh-huh. Yeah, who calls you that? Uh, by the way, we're not on video, so you can kill oh, that, too. Perfect, then. Good. We should have told me that before. I wouldn't have put on makeup. <laughs> Robert, did, Robert did, too. I didn't tell him. Yeah, me, too. Me yeah. too. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, uh, Robert, uh, you're originally from New Jersey, right? I am. Yep. Uh, New Jersey is my home state. I've been living up here in the Berkshires now, which is Western Massachusetts, for about 18 years. 18 years. That's a good, yeah. good run. Yeah. Yeah. I'll never be a native to the Berkshires, but uh, I'm getting closer every year. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and uh, what was your interest in, in the paranormal? Yeah, I mean, I it's really kind of interesting. I took a job at the Mount, uh, unsuspecting, uh, really. Uh, they were looking for a daytime tour guide. Um, and I took I had an interest in Wharton and in history. I'm a, I was an English major in college and studied some Wharton, studied literature, of course. And so I thought, well, this could be an interesting place to work. It's beautiful property. 
and an interesting history. But it was that first year that I started there um, that they were starting their ghost tours. And I had no idea uh, about the paranormal um, history of the place when I took the job. Right. So, so what is this place, uh, Robert? So the Mound was the, the home of Edith Wharton, the Pulitzer Prize winning author who wrote The Age of Innocence and Ethan Frome and The House of Mirth. And she lived there um, in, this is in Lenox, Massachusetts. She lived yep. there for about 10 years, began her writing career there in a big way and became a very well-known, successful author during the decade that she was living there. And now it exists as, an, as a house museum as a cultural center, as a, a place that people go to enjoy the beautiful properties and, and go to all sorts of events. People and, have and weddings they do there. Ghost and, tours, yeah. and so, yeah, they started the ghost tour in 2009, the same year that I started working there. Awesome. And, uh, and it grew out of um, a long history of just sort of, you know, an oral history of, of the ghost experiences that people have claimed to have at the Mount for many years. And then in 2009, that same year, I guess maybe it was the year before, uh, ghost hunters came and, you know, the TAPS group came to do an investigation. And, you know, that sort of definitely raised its uh, profile. And um, and the Mount decided that, you know, enough people were interested in their ghosts. They thought, well, why don't we start ghost tours? And sure enough, um, over the years, the uh, popularity of the ghost tours has grown. And, and in fact, the ghost hunters actually came back a second time to do a second investigation and um, stories of things that have been reported there. They just continue to grow as well. Mm. So, Robert, have you had any experiences yourself there? I have. I have had experiences. Um, and, you know, I would call myself, so you were asking me about my interest in the paranormal. I feel like I have always had interest in uh, in, in spirit, you know, in things that you sort of feel or intuit um, and have always had a feeling about those things. But I've also been um, somewhat uh, uh, skeptical in my life, too, and sort of uh, questioned a lot of this stuff and sort of analyzed it and wondered about it myself. And so, you know, it's interesting, actually, to come to the Mount with that, these kind of two minds that I've had to both have experiences and then also kind of like challenge and question some of these experiences. Um, and so, but some of them, you know, so some of them you can kind of say, oh, it's probably just whatever, right? But then some of the experiences I've had are really difficult to, <laughs> to you know, sort of explain away. Um, and so I've had the sensation of having my head tapped multiple times by something that's you can't see. Um, I've had the sensation. A lot of it for me is a feeling. Like I just have this sort of feeling that there's something near me, like there's something standing behind me or around me. Um, but I actually had a really uh, pretty intense, somewhat profound experience last, or this would have been in September of 2019. We had a group of, um, a, a, a group that were um, sort of paranormal investigators, psychics, who came to the Mount, as we sometimes do, to do a sort of private tour. And um, I was leading them through and sharing with them the stories. And they, of course, were doing their own readings and they were getting their own kind of evidence and they were having their own experiences along the way. And they were doing, at one point, they were doing EVP work with uh, you know, the audio recorder. And they said, they said, let's do some EVP work. They said, you, they talked, to, they all looked at me and said, you talk to them. He said, you know, you know them and they know you and they will talk to you. 
And um, <laughs> and I, I thought to myself, you know, it's like I've been telling their stories here for so long, but I don't know that I've ever stopped to just turn and talk to them, you know, directly. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay. And so here I was, I was surrounded by this group of psychics and investigators. It was, and they all were looking at me holding up this device. So I, you know, I felt like it was this kind of an initiation in a way, you know, I was sort of um, being pushed uh, over a threshold. Um, And so I just, um, I started to ask questions. And one of the questions I asked was, you know, do you know my name? And as happens with the EVP, you don't hear anything in the room at the time. But when we listen back, wow, is there a voice that's very strong that came through and it sounded like it said, in a kind of a gravelly tone, rubber, like that. Yeah. <laughs> and wow, I just, I mean, even just thinking about it now, it gives me the, it gives me the shivers because it's one thing to sense that there are spirits there or that there's something there, but then it's another thing entirely to have this sensation that they, that they, that they know you and that they're, they're speaking back to you that, too. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that was pretty intense. So I've had, I've had some pretty, pretty good experiences there myself. Yeah. Are you still working there? Or? Yeah, we're we're on sort of hiatus right now. We start up again. We start doing the tours again um, in June, and you know, last year was an interesting year for everybody, right? And um, what we did last year was we actually took the tours online, and so we did, um, and we did an online ghost tour, and we'll probably do something similar this year, at least for the beginning of the season. Oh, that's you a know, good it, idea. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there are some good things that actually came out of this pandemic, and and that's one of the things. Zoom has helped uh, a lot of people with uh, online classes and workshops and and tours Absolutely. like yourself. And even though the the pandemic is is on its way out, knock on wood, um, you know those those things are still going to continue because people realize that they can reach more people and. And uh, it, there are a lot of advantage, advantages to doing them. I got to tell you, we reached an audience that I never would have imagined we would have reached. We had at one point, um, I mean, we had sort of hundreds of people coming on our ghost tour. Wow. Uh, wow. And, and yeah, and then this was like in, in sort of in October of last year, um, we found that the numbers were growing. And it was helped by some really great press that we got. The New York Times did something on it. The Boston Globe put something out. Um, and so that really helped get the word out about us. And at one point, yeah, so we would sort of do questions at the end of the tour. And um, at the end of one of the tours, somebody sent a question and said, can you explain, can you describe exactly where in the U.S. you are? Because I'm in India and I don't know that area at all. <laughs> and I thought, oh, wow, we just reached like a whole new world here. Exactly. <laughs> it was, it was so cool. That, it was right? Without so having cool. what we've gone through. I loved it. I love that part of it. That just the, yeah. the, to be able to connect with people just everywhere, you know, anywhere they were. That was cool. Mm. Now, uh, what gave you an idea for the book? So the book actually, um, you know, I had been thinking for a while because I, I've been aware, you know, of course, I, I know a lot about the Mount and the Mount stories, but mm. I've been aware of the Berkshires generally, um, of the other stories in, in this region. And so it was always sort of in the back of my mind that it would be cool to do something like uh, I think early on, some of my thoughts were to see if we we could sort of team up with some of the other cultural institutions here and sort of do a kind of ghost crawl, you know, go to different places and tell their stories. Um, And so that was sort of in the back of my mind as something I'd always love to do. 
And it, as it turned out, the publisher reached out to me or reached out to the mount and reached out through the mount to me that they were looking for someone to write a book about the region. And so I said, oh, yeah, that's I want that. <laughs> I want it to, you know. Um, and so, yeah, it kind of just grew out of that and an interest and an, a curiosity about the region and the other stories. Yeah. Now, I'm going to confess that, uh, you know, I, I have not read your book. I haven't seen it. So uh, I, I just found you recently on Facebook. Right. Uh, you, you do these little video pieces. Yeah. That was part of my response to the pandemic, <laughs> you know, <laughs> here is the book is coming out. This is my first book um, and it's coming out in September 2020. Oh, OK, so that's that. why I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I thought, well, how am I going to do readings? How am I going to get the word out? And I thought, well, I'm just going to go online. I'm just going to make videos and um, and sort of talk to people that way and let people know about the book that way. And I just really enjoyed doing the videos. It was really fun to go to all these places and shoot some footage and talk about the places and share them online. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not a, sure you're aware of, but some of these places we've actually investigated ourselves, New England Ghost Project and, and uh, uh, Maureen and myself, including one uh, which you have in the book. And... I'd like to know your source for it, and that would be the Houghton Mansion. Okay, so that place I was not able to visit. The current it's owners. A private, it's a private home now. Yeah, it's private now. And so there was, um, you know, there were, <clears throat> um, but the, the fortunate thing is that a lot has been written about the Houghton Mansion and videos have been done. So I was able to find quite a lot of information um, about the mansion through sources like, I mean, David Raby, a paranormal investigator, wrote a book, uh, at least one. I think he may have done two books about Hood Mansion. Um, Ghost Hunters visited. Um, Jeff Belanger did a, a couple of features there. Um, yeah. There were a number of, and of course, lots of newspaper articles that, you know, I, I sort of, one of the, because I wanted to do as much, um, to, you know, to, to sort of talk about the ghost lore as well as to provide as much of a history, history as I, yes. as I could. Yeah. Not being, I'm not a professional historian, um, but I wanted to try to get as much of the history right as I could. And so my, most of my sources actually turned out to be newspaper articles, um, uh, especially a lot of things published at the time. So in that case, during, you know, there's the famous accident that occurred there, right. the car accident, right, that led to the big tragedy that really undid the family and led to her death and then later his death. Um, and so there were an awful lot of newspapers, newspaper articles, because A.C. Hooten was a major figure in town. Um, and so, you know, that kind of thing was easy to find in multiple sources. Um, and then of course I visited, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't go into the house, but I stood in front of it and I went to go. the, um, the cemetery where he's buried and where the, uh, the chauffeur John is buried. And, um, yeah, so I tried to get as much as close to the story yeah. as I could. I actually, in that case, there was a woman I met. This was one of the wonderful things that happens when you when you're writing a book like this and you tell people you're working on a ghost book and you just happen to mention it. And there was a woman I met. It was at a place where they do a dog, you know, rehabilitation. We took our dog in for some exercise mm -hmm. and there was a woman there and said that when I told her about it, she said, oh, I used to work at Hoot Mansion. I was a after school uh, child like I did child care after school and tutoring. Oh, wow. 
and they had a school program there. And so I used to work there and I have stories and I'd be happy to tell you my stories. So, um, you know, I called her up and interviewed her and she shared with me some of her stories that I included in the book. Oh, that's excellent. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was cool. Originally in, I'm trying to think what year it was. It was oh gosh, that... 2006, maybe? Five. Oh, seven? Maybe it was 2005 yeah. or six. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, mm-hmm. uh, the, the mansion at that time was owned by the Masons. And yeah. Uh, there was a woman writing, her name was Sherry Revelier, and she was writing a book on the mansion. Well, it was right on Haunted Massachusetts, and wanted to include it in there. And the Masons uh, wanted to uh, make sure it was haunted, so they they called us in to do the first investigation ever in the mansion back then. Mm, wow. then, a, then, of course, after that, it became uh, you know more and more popular. There were uh, you know, yeah. more and more groups. They ran tours. They ran overnight ghost hunt and so right. forth. And, and it was rented out for, I think, Ghost Hunts America or something for a mm-hmm. long while. But uh, the interesting thing is, is that original day that we went in and did the first investigation, and then we were back several times after that. But you could actually see a change in the mansion itself. Mm-hmm. And I always wondered if if all those ghost events they did created some new activity that originally wasn't there i i would i would think you know like i feel that that happens we feel we certainly feel that that's true at the mount yeah you know where the tours themselves and the experiences because so many people are having experiences on the tours mm-hmm. and that it's just become um part of you know we, we we weave them into the stories that we tell and it grows and builds, and I and I do feel that there's a certain response from the spirits. You know that sometimes it's like, ah, they're here to see us. Let's give them a show or give them something to talk about. You know. Oh, and there was quite a bit of that. <laughs> yeah, was there? So you were there. You were the first group in. That's yes. that's cool. What kind of stuff did you find then? Oh boy, which time? <laughs> the first, first time you went. First time. Yeah, first time we the, went. The, yeah, the first time we went actually, and I want to say, Ron. I mean. I, we had is the first time we went. We also had the video right when we were communicating, and then uh, we were picking up all of the activity on the cameras as well. Mm-hmm. Um, right. That was the night we actually did the séance in the li- is it the library or was what room was it? You had the pocket. Uh, it, doors. Yeah, the one with the pocket doors. I, uh, it was the one across from the the office there, uh, right next to the kitchen. They had pocket doors and everything. That was that was mm-hmm. an interesting night. It was very uh, interesting, yeah. Yeah, we, we had the, in fact, the Berkshire Paranormal uh, group got founded after we left. Uh, we ah. became good, good friends with them. They they founded themselves oh, uh, nice. after us. But, yeah, that was an interesting night. We were in there. We did a, uh, now, for, Maureen is a, a fifth-generation uh, medium. Uh, she's a ah. trans medium, too. And uh, she, she uh, worked with, um Laurie Cabot in, in, in Salem and and uh, anyway she had given up all that stuff so I, I conned her into doing a yeah. co- communication <laughs> by candlelight not a seance uh, which is a seance <laughs> by the way <laughs> but it, it was so funny though I mean we were in there all of us were in the room and uh, when when Maureen was making contact uh, the pocket doors were rattling and uh Banging, and finally, like somebody was banging on the doors, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the, it finally the whole thing ended, which was the funniest thing. Is uh, Nick Mantello, who was there, he's like, you know an older man. 
Mm-hmm. He uh, he jumps up during the seance and says, my ass, and goes running out, out of the, the <laughs> place. It was the well, funniest you, thing. Yeah, but you didn't say why. What we did is we're like, so we're going to hold hands and we're going to create this energy loop, right, with everybody. And please don't break the circle and all the yeah. stuff. So we got our hands all t- touched together and holding together. And then all of a sudden the energy just kicked up and I could Ooh. feel it like it shot out. And that's when it went through like each person, but when it got to him, he felt it and he got it like zinged in the rear end. So <laughs> he stands up and he let out, like Warren said, he let out this yell, oh my ass, right? And, and I'm like, well, so much for not breaking the, you know, the chain. Right, right. Um, and he went running out of the room. It was a riot. And, you know, it must be so interesting because, you know, there wouldn't have that at that point, I would imagine, not have been sort of the body of lore, right? This you No, there wasn't, which is yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yes, because I would imagine that, you know, existing stories have a way of, you know, maybe coloring your investigation in some way. Like, you yeah. know, you kind of expect certain things maybe. Uh, but going in it as a clean slate without ex- knowing what to expect. We- I always try to do that when when people ask us to do an investigation. I I try not to do like all the major tourist excuse me I'm sorry tourist ones, but <laughs> that's okay. uh, because it, there's a there's a lot already out there on it. You know, so sure. you are you are tainted. So I, I and and when someone says, "Oh, can you investigate?" I don't want to know anything about it before I come in. I don't know what's yep. going on. When I we do do a a, a walk in and so forth. The I myself uh, uh, will talk to the owner and just ask him what particular areas uh, that sh- they've witnessed material and what type of, of activity. Not the kind, you not the, the results of activity, but was it physical? Was it visual? Was it so that I can put the the proper resources in in those areas? Right. So uh, you know, yeah. I, the less you know, I think it, it's true, but. That was we were the first one to pick up on that little girl that was in the basement, uh, mm-hmm. and no, no one. There was no, no, no information on that prior to that whatsoever. And no. wasn't the idea with that that the the thought was that that she might have been someone who lived in the property next door, if I remember that right? You know, it's the... all stories. No, yeah, yeah. right, right, right. I don't think for us we didn't get where she was from. We just knew uh-huh. she was there, right? Yeah, yeah. yep. Um, but I will tell you that night, Robert, right? And I, I know that Ron, I don't know, he has so many pictures from over the years. He probably doesn't, you know, would never locate it. But I never forget he had his camera and, you know, we were feeling our feet were freezing, right? The temperature in the room changed. And mm. then he took his camera and he took a picture underneath the table. I like just took a bunch of quick shots. And what happened was later when he developed it, because it was infrared film. When I had it developed. Yeah. When you had it developed. Um <laughs> He's you looked and it was like a profile picture of Mr. Houghton and it literally almost matched the painting that was in the library. Mm, wow. It's weird, bizarre. Weird like stuff. weird stuff. Yeah. But I'm sure I'm sure your book is all filled with, with that type of stuff anyways. Well so what okay. are, yeah, go ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, uh, I just to say that, you know, I really felt that and I feel that my the role that I play is to try to put to, to sort of synthesize as much of the stories as possible to try to be a, a recorder, you know, sort of a representative of sort of all the stories that people have told and the experiences that they have ex- described as much of it as I can represent, you know. Um, and I just liked, I love the stories. I love the experiences that people um, describe, the ways in which they describe the feeling and the presence that they can experience at a different location. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
You know, one of the most overlooked things in in uh, ghost hunting is the temperature. It's since the beginning of time, uh, temperature fluctuations has been recorded, uh, and that's one thing we don't really record enough. We 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 mm. deal with more things like EMF and mm-hmm. other things like that, uh, and it's you know we overlook the the obvious one, but yeah. Never, you know, never cease to amaze us when we, in all the years we've investigated, Robert and even Ron can attest to this. We would get a spirit, and it wouldn't matter if we started out in a small room that had a very high temperature. One time we had a camera in there, you know, the television camera, and you would think that this small little room, it had a little refrigerated area, um, you know, not refrigerated, but remember the in the Wyndham run where they had the coffee machine going and the temperature right. was pretty normal. And then all of a sudden we get communication going on. Mm. And the next thing you know, the temperature is 66.6, right? Mm-hmm. And we just stopped mm-hmm. laughing because we started to realize that that was the other side. Somebody thinks they're being funny, right? Right, they right. want to try to scare you and you're like, yeah, really, it's not uh-huh. working. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> right. But there, yeah. there's so many like that. I mean, I mean, even temperature. I mean, we did a, a America's uh, Stonehenge and uh, yeah. we were in a, we were, Maureen was in there. That this is when I first started the group, and we were uh, had a camera crew with us and everything else. And we were in some one of the chambers, and uh, the temperature. You know, we had if you you deal with TV at all. I don't know if you know, but those lights, especially in the early days, were was super bright and threw mm-hmm. off a ton of heat. That, but uh, you know, the, the temperature in that chamber with all the people. And the lights and everything else were actually going down when we were mm. investigating. So temperature is a thing that's overlooked uh, way too much. But so what other places are, is in the book? Uh, sure. Uh, so I, um, I, I basically decided to kind of organize the book in a way that I felt was representative of the Berkshires. So I started off by giving it. Well, um, Robert, oh, you got Yeah. We've got about a minute to break, so uh, okay. just keep that in mind, and then we'll, right. t- we'll take the break. Okay. Sounds good. Set us up for the, the second uh, half. <laughs> yeah, just, that, just that the book is representative, as best as I could do, of what I felt is, you know, where the where the ghosts are here in the Berkshires, mm-hmm. um, in a way that would really represent the character of this place. Okay. special. Yes, it is. And yeah. uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more, more with uh, Robert Oates, uh, author of Ghosts of the Berkshires, coming out this year, right? It came out last year. Yeah. Oh, last year. Oh, yeah. God. Whatever. Yeah. I'm never going <laughs> <laughs> to. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles uh, Next Generation right here on Tojanet and Pararex Radio. And we're brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street, Methuen, Massachusetts, the Gallant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street, North Mandover, Massachusetts, and our very good friends at Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon. We'll be right back after the following messages. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. Hello. Hello, can you hear me? My name is Harry Price. I am speaking to you via the medium of the Ghost Box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, 
Thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Parax Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing, although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. The other is Stephen Parsons, and he's a paranormal scientist. Well, mustache, I am required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. Yes, we're back. We're here with Robert Oates. Who did I say that correctly, Robert? Oaks like the tree. Oh, see, I wrote it down incorrectly. Oaks like the tree. All right. Yes. And he wrote The Ghost of Berkshires that was out and uh, published, what, September of 2020, you said? Yep. Just, yeah, this past September. Yeah. All right. Perfect. And we're here with Ron. Ron, speak up. Yeah. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that was smooth. Well, you said folks. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, yes, we are back. And, and just before the the break, he was uh, Robert was mentioned some of the the places that he included in his book. And yeah. uh, you have some graveyards, I believe, right? Yeah, I have a whole section on graveyards. The interesting thing about the graveyards, um, I was actually surprised to find out that there are very few here in the Berkshires that are said to be haunted. Um, there are some really interesting graveyards in the Berkshires, but they're not necessarily haunted graveyards. Mm -hmm. So I decided to keep, you know, to keep a number of them in the in the book just because they're so interesting as locations, um, and in some cases quite eerie. Um, but there were only two that I was aware of, of as being haunted. One is called the West Branch Road Cemetery up on October Mountain. It's also known as the Lost Cemetery. And Ooh. the other one is actually right in the middle of Lenox, uh, the Church on the Hill Cemetery. Sweet. Uh, so the, the, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the one in the woods? That's always intriguing to me. Sure. Yeah. So the story there is that the, the town, it's currently, it's in the town of Washington, which is up in the hills of the hills, right, mm -hmm. um, of the Berkshires. Um, and it's, it's really kind of tucked away up there. October Mountain at that time, like in the early 1800s, was this, there were some families living up there, farmers, woodcutters, and they started this cemetery in the early 1800s. But as time went on, um, the families moved away and the land became actually, um, the, the entire October Mountain was purchased by William Whitney, who was the um, Secretary of the Navy under Grover Cleveland. Oh, yeah. 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 And he purchased the entire mountain so that he could have his own 1,000 acre big game preserve up there <laughs> and a um and a and a mansion that he a sort of a, a a mansion retreat up there where he could go and hunt and be away from everything and so he stocked it with uh, all sorts of wild animals uh, buffalo and uh, um oh yeah just like 
incredibly uh, sort of eccentric, I would say. Wow, um, just native to the land. I mean, yeah, right. <laughs> and, um, and and he actually only, from my understanding, he only um, went there um, a couple of times before he passed away. Um, oh, and then his sons didn't want to continue ownership of the property. So they got rid of it or they, they sold it, I suppose. I don't exactly know. I know it eventually burned down. I don't know who may have owned it in the interim, but they also gathered up as many of the animals as they could find and tried to get them to uh, sanctuaries and other places, but they couldn't catch them all. And some of them continued to roam around on the mountain. And one of them was even seen in Lennox and Lee on the main street for years after um, uh, walking down the street of, 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 I believe it was a buffalo. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is, this is, you know, what year is that? Do you remember? Uh, I believe that the buffalo was last seen in the middle part of the last century. And then somebody actually shot him and his head is oh, in the Berkshire uh, Museum. <laughs> <laughs> well, go figure. Yeah. Um, and so it, like, this is the kind of stuff that like, it sounds like a story, but apparently it's true history. Oh, um, and but so over the so eventually the property became an, a state park and that's what it is today it's 16,500 acres of a state park wow. um and this cemetery is still there it's sort of in the midst middle of the woods um and it is cared for by the DCR and the town of Washington um so it's even though it's called the lost cemetery there are people who know exactly where it is and who <laughs> take, take take care of it um but for somebody like me who had never been there before, it was actually quite a challenge to find the first time. And I got a little bit lost on the way, but eventually I did find it. And you kind of come up to it through the woods, and at least I did the first time. And you, the first thing you notice are these old stones just kind of tipped over, broken and on the ground uh -huh. in the midst of all of these trees. It's like a clearing uh, there in the middle of the woods. And the story is that it's haunted by the ghost of a nine-year-old girl named Anna Pease, who died in, I believe it was 1829. And uh, people say that they see her spirit as a little girl ghost there, or they hear her singing or whistling or humming a tune is often what is said. And, um, and you know, it's not a lot. It's, a, it's, it's really interesting because I was really hoping I could find a good graveyard ghost story. And this... I do love this story, but it's just that's all there is, really. It's just the story about Anapes who haunts, who's said to haunt that graveyard. Well, you know, don't feel bad there, Robert, because, you know, Ron had us out on a um, four week special that we did with the television station, right? So we went to four different places, and one was a cemetery. How exciting was that one, Ron? <laughs> <laughs> but I will say this the I love that location. Um, it's beautiful. It's peaceful. There's a feeling it's, it feels a little sad because it feels a little, it really does feel a little lost, you know, that the, yeah. it's sort of, it used to be the center of that community. And now it's sort of just out there in the middle of the woods. And now, uh, it's called the lost graveyard. Is that what it's called? It's, or? it's called the West Branch Road Cemetery. Oh, okay. And, um, but people call it, I've heard it called the, the lost cemetery of October yeah. mountain. Isn't there, a, isn't there a similar story? I don't think it's the same area, but out in the mountains, uh, Lucy Keys. I'm not familiar with that one. Is that yeah, in the Berkshire? Check that out. It's it's very similar. Yeah, it's Massachusetts. It's it's okay. out in those mountains, but 
Yeah, Western Mass to me is all Western Mass. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I'm not sure, but uh, they made a movie out of it a long time ago. But oh, it has, uh, that. yeah, Lucy Keys, and uh, yeah, it was a. Uh, we did have someone from years and years ago, Mari, when you were on the original show. We had someone from that uh, TV company on the show. But anyway, uh, is uh, Bedford Hall in your book by any chance? Benford Hall is in the book. Benford Hall was interesting. Um, you know, it's what, so here in the Berkshires, we have a lot of what, you know, or what are called cottages, um, yeah. which is really kind of a funny understatement. That's no <laughs> <laughs> um, these were built, these were these huge homes that were built by the ultra wealthy between the roughly the end of the Civil War and the beginning of World War One or World War Two. This is sort of World War One really is more accurate, I think. Um, and at that time, there were families uh, coming here to the Berkshires from Boston and from New York and building these massive estates. Some of them are massive estates. Some are a little more humble. Um, just to sort of get away as is be part of the summer society uh, scene here in the in the Berkshires and um, have parties and gather and, and, and that sort of thing. Benford Hall was one that was built in the late 1890s or in the 1890s. Um, by George Morgan and his wife, Sarah, who was the sister of J.P. Morgan. Um, and so it's and it's it's a big, beautiful brick brownstone house. Um, it has many, many rooms, many, many fireplaces, many, many, you know, different kinds of areas of the house. Um, very beautiful. Um, and has seen a great deal of restoration over the years because it was actually in pretty bad shape in the 90s. There was a, some, a developer who had purchased it, was looking to kind of uh, turn it into condos and sort of taken a lot of the uh, interiors out. I know, it was terrible. Yeah, but it has seen a great deal of restoration since then. There's a devoted group of people who, who love the place, who saved it and sort of have been working on restoring it and also provide, you know, giving tours and other events there. So... Uh, and it has ghost stories, many stories, actually. I wonder if they, when they restore, are they restoring it back to what it was previously, as close as they can? I believe that's the plan. And I think, yeah. you know, they're working on it little by little because it needs a lot of work. It's a big house. Um, and I think there, I, my understanding is that there are a number of different areas of the house that need a lot of work. But uh, but they have also done do. an enormous amount. Um, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's, a, it's really, I've been there a, a couple of times and did investigations and things. Oh, nice. But, uh, oh, I also, uh, we also, and my other co-hosts, uh, the regular co-host for the show, um, we shot the opening and, you know, Downton Abbey. Yeah. We shot uh, that opening there uh, for our show, the Ghost Chronicles shows. We, we, we uh, parried it and it, it came out really good. It was oh, cool. perfect for that location. Nice. And, and the people there uh, also were are in it. They they helped oh, us. Oh, nice. I love that. But yeah, it was great. <laughs> but the, I mean, that area, most people think, you know, the Mohawk Trail was, you know, there's really nothing out there. But, but there are a lot of beautiful places out there. Are. Out yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you, other than the mound, <laughs> what <laughs> was your what was your favorite place to write about? Yeah, that's that's great, right? Because I know so much about the mountain. It was yeah, the easiest <laughs> and the hardest ones are right. Because you know, what do you what do you say? Um, so the answer I've been asked that before, and the one that always pops up to me is Hoosick Tunnel. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that one that one stays with you. That one stays with you. Um, so it's not necessarily that it's my favorite because. It is um, uh, an inspiring story by any means. Um, 
I think it's my favorite because it hits so hard. You know, when I think about the experience that the men had that, that built it, um, the kind of conditions they had to work under. And number of deaths, too. Yeah. And, and the yeah. number of deaths. Uh, it was something like 200 of the 800 men who worked on it died. And they died in explosions, collapses, floodings, um, suffocations. I mean, just really, really terrible conditions. And that they kept, sh I mean, I know a number of them walked off, as my understanding. Um, but many of, most of them continued to show up and work on this project. And what, what it is for people who are not familiar, this is a five-mile tunnel, railroad tunnel, that was cut through the, the Hoosick Mountain Range up in northern Berkshire County uh, between roughly 1851 and 1875. And um, just incredibly difficult working conditions, difficult tasks, especially given the technology that was available at the time. Um, and I'm just amazed that they did it. I mean, they started, they had actually two... Uh, crews working uh, simultaneously, one coming from the North Adams side and one That's coming amazing. from the Florida side, and that they met within inches uh, in the middle just astounds me. I don't, I don't even understand how they were able to do that. Um, but uh, so there's that. But then the deaths. I mean, the story about the flood. There was a central shaft also in the middle that came down from the surface, uh, right in the middle of the two where the two tunnels met in the center. And they use that to help to sort of get fumes out of it, to help with drainage and so forth, and to bring supplies down. Um, they were they sent thirteen men down one day, and there was a naphtha explosion in the in the in the house in the sort of gear house above, and it just sent like um, drill bits and sharpened blades and all sorts of things down on these men. Uh, and uh. so whoever wasn't killed in that ended up surviving underground, and. They actually they tried to send someone down to help them get out, but he there was so there was so much noxic, noxious fumes that he had to be pulled out, and he just said, "There's no hope or no escape." I think I think he said, "No hope," and they gave up because they thought the men oh, were dead. That's awful. But apparently they weren't, and lived on for some time after that, and died under there. So there were all of these stories about hearing their voices, thinking that they were either you know later on they it may be that they they actually were in there trying to call for help but stories began to um you know grow about believing that the spirits were haunting the tunnels that the spirits of these men who were killed the people said they saw them walking through the woods toward the central shaft um and that they continued to haunt the area around it until the bodies were finally recovered and buried um and you know, it's so a lot of those kinds of stories. And if you go to the, the Hoosick Tunnel and you just sort of stand near it and look into it, uh, there's just this cold, cold air that blows up at you. The darkness that you look into just utterly like impenetrable. You just see into total darkness. Um, and it just just to stand there for me is enough, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. to feel that. And inside the tunnel is a place they call, uh, what is it, the Hilton or something? It's a big hollow. Oh, I've out heard place. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hollowed out area. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've been there. I've, I've actually investigated. In fact, I have uh, uh, spike uh, railroad spikes from from the wow. tunnel itself. Wow. Did you? Uh, so you went through it? Did you go I, you know, pretty deep in, or? I went. Yeah, very deep in. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there was. Uh, I remember one time the train was coming through. That they have these little cutouts in the walls where you you can actually stand in and, uh, and so the train goes by you so wow. it's a freaky feeling though between yeah. the trains coming in and 
And by the way, you're not supposed to be in there. So yeah, I kind of I kind of add that. But uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So the, you you have that uh, adrenaline because you're not supposed to be there, and then you have the trains that pass through, and then you know the spookiness, and and and, and yeah. there is it, it's just a, a strange, strange feeling, and yeah. in some areas worse than others. So yes. I would imagine. Yeah. 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 So but, that one, I think, really does stand out for me as just the classic Berkshire haunted location. Um, yeah. So do you have plans to write any other books or? Yeah, I'm actually working on my next book now, and it is about my home state of New Jersey. Um, okay. And the plan is to focus on the seven counties of North Jersey. Um, Sussex, Warren, Morris, Passaic, Bergen, Hudson, and Essex, my home county. And um, this is turning out to be quite a pretty cool journey here because, you know, I grew up there. I know an awful lot about just what it's like to live there. Yeah. But there's a lot about the lore and the history that I never knew. I was going to um, say, you're learning things that you never knew when you were growing yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. So. It is really cool, and I can't wait to get them. The plan is to start next month going down to investigate some of the locations. Oh, and I've cool. actually made friends with some paranormal investigators down in New Jersey recently, so I think Excellent. we're going to go on some some investigations as well. Is, is that what the Pine Barrens are, or am I getting that mixed up? The Pine Barrens are in New Jersey, yeah. That's out of the region of my book. Out of the region, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's, that's southern Jersey. But that's yeah. sort of like the famous, so the, the most famous paranormal story, sort of the cryptid of New Jersey, is yeah. the Jersey Devil, of course. Yeah. Um, and he, I'm sure I'll mention him in my book, but he actually will not get much attention in this book. <laughs> oh, he's not going to like that. <laughs> he's, down, he's down South Jersey. <laughs> he won't like it. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. He's going to come find me. <laughs> yeah, you'll get a knocking one night in your dream. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, that, I wish you the best of luck with that one. It yeah. sounds interesting. And I, I got to get a copy of this uh, Berkshire, Ghost of the Berkshire. Hey, I'm looking online at it, by the way, uh, Robert. It's great cover. I think it's, oh, it's very cool. You got the moon um, over. Now, what is that? the picture that's on the cover? That is the Chapel of St. Andrews, which is part of Buckstead Manor up in Washington, uh, that same town where the West Branch Road, West Branch Road Cemetery oh, is. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's, you can actually see that that uh, structure right on the main road there. Buckstead is not open to the public, but this church, this chapel is right there. And it's said to be haunted by the spirit of, a, of a, what people believe is a monk. And they've seen him on the on the lawn out in front. Um, really? Yeah, but it, isn't that a cool building, though? I just, that is I love so that. cool. And you've got great reviews for your book. So, you know, our listeners should go and check it out. Right. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Uh, Do you have a website or anything? I do. I sort of put all my ghost activities underneath uh, the website, robertoaks.net, and that's um, O-A-K-E-S, robertoaks.net. The book is available, as you saw, it's on Amazon. It's through the publisher at Arcadia Publishing, um, you know, bookshop.org. Arcadia used to be the history press, right? Yeah, it's the same company, uh, but they have this sort of subset where they do these, these Haunted America series. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, the... uh... You are going back to ghost tours again, I assume. Yeah, the plan is to start up in mid um, mid uh, June. Uh, yep. I think June 18th is what we're talking. We haven't fi fully finalized it. I should let people know that if they are interested in the ghost tours at at the Mount, if they go to the website edithwharton.org, um, they'll find information about 
not only the ghost tours, but everything that the mount is doing. Excellent. Um, yeah, so this, there'll be information there. And like I said, the plan is to go online this summer for at least the beginning of the season. And then mm-hmm. if things are open up and it feels safe to do so, we'll start doing them in person. Um, yeah. So, and I'm planning to do uh, other events here in the Berkshires this summer too, like a, a cemetery walk, uh, the church on the Hill cemetery in Lenox. Oh, excellent. And, uh, yeah. Something at the top of Mount Greylock talking about this, the ghosts of the old coot and other Northern Berkshire oh, County that's, stories. That's, uh, yeah. Josh Mantel has been doing work on that as well. He, he knows a lot of the stories. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, are you familiar with him by any chance? I, I've never met him, but I, I came across him a number of times in my research and yeah, his name yeah. and videos with him. Yeah. Yeah. He used to uh, be in charge of the Houghton Mansion when we first got there. Well, actually, his father was the Grand Poopa, but right. he eventually became a thing. But yeah, I mean, it, it's an amazing place. I'm trying to think of some of the other. Uh... Masonic Temple in there, too, is unbelievably amazing i mean it's to see it. structurally beautiful it's yeah. in fact when we would go in to investigate we'd have um the conferences in there that we would do uh some you know lots of people coming through and i'll say when we needed to get a break we would actually go into the you know the masonic temple because it was so peaceful and just mm. the energy Hanron, was totally different it was just yeah, but that uh, all changed that all changed i'm telling you uh after i the, the last investigations that we did in there, we did a lot of events and stuff for for the Berkshire Paranormal Group and stuff. It, the energy had all changed. People were getting stories in the temple of all this. Really? Terrible, oh, yes. All these horrible ceremonies that were going on. and all this, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It wasn't like that. So that first investigation, it, it really is amazing how much that whole energy, energy it shifted and everything from that, that uh uh, night to where it was when the last time I was here. I, I can guarantee mm. that. Well, you know, intention mm. and attention to something and that you focus on, I truly believe it makes it grow, right? So mm-hmm. when you're mm. thinking of it's only evil and only darkness, you'll get it. So Yeah, yeah. So, that makes a lot of sense. So, Robert, how do you, I mean, how do you, do you, uh, I, I'm trying to figure a way, way to say this, in, in that how do you, separate the law from from uh the the, the truth i mean or do you or you j- just yeah that's that's wait. a great that's a great question and how do you right <laughs> um <laughs> and i find myself kind of walking this line and i and i i really don't mean to be cute um about it but there is a certain amount of um i don't know um letting yourself walk in a place of unknown of the unknown and uncertainty mm-hmm. um and and just hearing the stories um and feeling a presence or feeling the spirit of a place the stories that people tell i don't necessarily believe are it right okay um, that they point to it sometimes that people sometimes what happens is that people will feel a presence and they know that there's something going on there. They're not sure what Now, this is, there's a whole separate class of, of experiences that, you know, you see something, you hear something, you know exactly what it is. And you, you talk about that. But some of these stories I think come out of a combination of a, a sense of a place, the spirit of a place, and then the engagement of the imagination. Oh, absolutely. Right. And you're like, there's something here and here's what it is. And you start telling the story and then the story grows. 
and the pe- other people start telling it and they add to it. And over time, the story may develop so many variations and embellishments that, you know, it may not be um, exactly what was what originally inspired the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nevertheless, it's sort of pointing to something that is at the heart of it, some mystery at the center of it all. And Absolutely. I love it, you know, right? And I love that. I love like just sort of looking at the story and going, okay, what's what the, what's at the heart of this? Like what what is going on at the center of this tale? Um, kind of like, like the grapevine thing as a kid, right? I know yeah. myself. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. You know, so, uh, tell one and it goes on and on and on, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I am uh, on the board of directors of uh, the Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses and mm-hmm. uh, we do ghost tours or, or to raise money for And one thing we have always done in our ghost tours is that we've never embellished on anything. And and I make a point of it during the tour. We, we, we tell a little thing that's absolutely true. And I say, this is what happens if you tell a thing, because eventually these people will come back from the ghost tour and say, oh, I heard that, you know, this guy hung himself somewhere and thing. And then somebody researching it will, will pick that up and uh put it in their book and then the next thing somebody else doing research and and, and a thing that was totally fabricated right. becomes becomes true. canon yeah. yeah and i i get that issue and i and i i should say that what what uh, what we we do something similar at the mount which is to say that we don't um we don't do embellishments of our own we tell as it has told to us yeah and we try our best to do that but it is true that sometimes like there was one story we were telling for a long time about the stable and we thought we had the story right. And then a man who actually was the one who originally told us that story came on one of our tours, just like what you're describing. And he said, well, actually, that detail is not quite right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so he's, ah, OK, well, let's get the real story and fix it. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, there is that that does happen. But I think it's sort of an inevitable thing that as people pass the stories from person to person, they just sort of pick up these little changes or embellishments. And I don't know that you can entirely manage that process well, <laughs> no but go to a, a haunted location that has had any sort of famous figure there yeah um, you could almost bet that someone's going to say that they picked up on george washington or they right. picked up on right and yeah. you think oh my god don't you think he's have a better place to stay than hang out here i mean You're right <laughs> and it's it's always the 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 famous ghost syndrome, which is, uh, you know, if someone died in a location, it's automatically their spirit that's that's haunting the location. If, if right. there's a haunting there, well, that's so, what people people assume it's Edith Wharton that it haunts the mount. And I have heard stories about her there, but I actually don't believe that to be true. I don't believe Edith Wharton is there at the mount. Um, I feel that there are other spirits, perhaps, but she's she went off to France, lived the rest of her life happily over there, died there. And is buried there. Right. Anyways, anyways, uh, that was the <laughs> doorbell, which means pizza from the dead is here, and we've got to wrap the show up. <laughs> okay. Uh, we have been speak, speaking with uh, Robert Oates, Oaks, oh, and now you got me, you got me saying, <laughs> uh, <laughs> from uh, author of the, yes, uh, you got me all tongue tested, Berkshire. Oh, Paranormal goes to the Berkshire. There you go. <laughs> and and Robert, twenty twenty. Robert, we want to thank you so much uh, for you. being on the show today. And uh, I enjoyed it. Oh, I'm glad you did. Yeah. And uh, maybe we have to get down to the mound. Uh, Ann and I. Uh, we'll see if we can get down there. And uh, yeah, I hope you do. Yeah, and we'll look you up. Anyways, 
Today's show is brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street in Bethune, Massachusetts, and the Glant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street, North Andover, Massachusetts, and our very good friends on Patreon, Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon. Uh, Maureen, thank you for filling in for Ann today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, and nice yep. to meet you, Robert. Nice to meet you, too. Thank and you. Good luck with your next book, too. Thank you. And you can catch Ann and I, I mean, uh, Maureen and I at Circles of Wisdom, we're doing a special class on... Uh, Rocks and minerals, that's, well, whatever it is. Crystals. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, good night, everyone. God bless and keep you good sticking. Night. God bless. Good night. Good Thank you. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good luck.